conqueror in every single situation of my life. Because when we start attaching, is attaching the right word? I don't know. But when we start coming together more and more with God, so the normal everyday things in life seem to disappear. That doesn't mean they don't happen. Of course, I still have to get up in the morning. Of course, I have to go to work. Of course, I still have to do chores and life goes on and life's pressures come and go. But what I'm doing is living in a very different way because I'm living with God. And I'm living under the shadow of God. And I'm living under the power and with the power of Christ to tackle the things that go on. But I'm still ordinary and I'm still human, and things can sometimes still get in the way. Would you agree or disagree? What I want to just share with you this morning is some life lessons from Paul. Um, I've spent quite a bit of time in the book of Ephesians. My chair times, as I call them, have changed now. I'm, I'm going to always advocate time with God. And every time I preach, I will always say this because I just think it's crucial. If you're going to grow in God, you've got to know him better. It's a bit like Dennis and I. We've been married for 14 years. If I hadn't spoken to him in those 14 years, what kind of a relationship would we have? Don't say anything. I know what he might say. (laughs) But you know, God wants us to sit in his presence. And you need to find time every day and find ways which really help you understand the Bible. For me, I spent probably a year and a half in Luke, taking a day, almost like a verse day by day. And then I finished Luke and I decided that I'd go to the book of Ephesians. But this time what I would do is I would read it as a whole letter. But capturing, because I was refreshing myself with it on a regular basis, just refreshing it. Well, Ephesians is a letter written by Paul, and the more and more I've read Ephesians, the more and more you capture something of who who Paul is. Now, Paul's written a number of letters, hasn't he? And we've got many of them in the New Testament. But let me just give you a quick introduction to Paul. In the beginning, he was known as Saul. It doesn't actually say, I was reading this morning in Acts, um, Acts 9 and just having a look at his conversion again, and it just said, well, a bit further on actually, it just said Saul, Paul, it was known as Saul. It was just like a, a name change. I'm not quite sure what went on. But Paul talks a lot about his background. And one of the things that I want to um, talk about this morning is the fact that God uses everything in our lives for his glory. Our skills, our talents, our experiences, where we are. If you look at Paul, he was born as a true Jew, a pure-blooded citizen of Israel is the way I've got it. I used the New Living um, Translation. He was actually circumcised at eight days old. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Apparently that makes him super special. Um, He was a member of the Pharisees. He strictly, according to Paul, obeyed the Jewish law without any fault. How amazing is that? He obeyed the law without any fault. I've, I've had about half a dozen faults since I've woken up this morning. I don't know about you. I'm always in trouble, I am. So zealous was he about the Jewish faith. What did he do? He persecuted the church. That was his history. That God did an amazing conversion on the Damascus Road. 
in Acts 9. Go and read it. And I pray that. I've got one son who's not walking with God at the moment. I'm going, God, give him a domestic, Damascus Road experience because that conversion totally and utterly changed him. And all of us need that experience, don't we? We need an encounter with God that dramatically changes our lives. He had a name change along with all of this. But as you read the letters that Paul's written, his understanding of God is just profound. One of the first things that I want to talk to you about is this whole act of grace. Because Paul himself recognizes him that if anyone didn't deserve it, it was him. And yet in his letter to the Ephesians, he talks about this. Even before he made the world, God made the world. God loved us so much. And he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now put your name in there. Even before God made the world, which blows your mind anyway, God loved Joe Corkery. And he chose Joe in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. I love that. Because of what Christ has done, Paul was holy and without fault. Even though he had persecuted and murdered people, Joe Corkery is holy and blameless. You are holy and blameless. That is the act of grace. It's incredible just what grace does. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his sons and forgave us our sins. He has showered us with kindness along with all wisdom and understanding. This is Paul talking. Paul has been showered with kindness and grace. You have been showered with kindness and grace. If that doesn't stir our hearts, I don't know what does. Because grace is such an amazing thing. Paul goes on and he says, once we were all dead because of our sins and our disobedience, but God who is so rich in mercy and loved us so much that even though we were dead in our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by the grace that you have been saved. I love that. Paul used to boast about being such a fantastic Jew. Look at me, I'm the best Pharisee in town. I obeyed all the laws. I was, you know, I got it all right. I was Mr. Perfect, and yet that did not give him a relationship with God. He talks about the fact that when someone was circumcised, that almost like gave them this sort of... Um, what's the kind of word I'm looking for? G gave them that special privilege that they were fantastic. But he said it was only in their bodies, not in their heads and in their hearts. But what he's saying here is God who's so rich in mercy and grace changed us. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast. How fantastic is that? We cannot boast that what I do makes me more special in God. I stand at the front and preach, you know. 
I'm obviously much better than you. That's not at all. What goes on in the pulpit, can I tell you, is just to encourage you. What you do on a Monday when you're looking after your parents or you're looking after your children or grandchildren or you're visiting people or you're making a cup of tea for that friend who's feeling sad. Whatever, God's grace is what saves you, not what you've done. So we are all equal in Christ. Don't you just love that? It's a gift. But then in Ephesians 3, if we switch to that, if we turn to Ephesians 3 verse, verse 12, it says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. I love that. It's not what I've done. It's not who I am. It's not what acts have been performed over me. It's because of God's grace that I can now come. God's grace, our faith in him, grace plus faith equals boldness. How amazing is that? And if you are thinking, you know, I am not bold enough to come into God's grace, come into God's presence. There's things that have gone in my life that make me feel ashamed. Well, there's things that have gone on in my life that make me feel ashamed. But God's grace has covered all of those, the blood of Jesus. We were singing about, you know, that it has no hold on us. But church, I think it still has a hold on us. We haven't actually got hold of God's grace in our lives. There are still things, and I think Satan tries to kid us, to make us feel worthless and useless, and prods us with that thing, that mistake we have made, or other things. But you can go to him and go, you know what? God's grace is a gift to me. I haven't got to earn it. I don't deserve it. But Jesus Christ has died for me, and I am a new creation. Now I can boldly come into the presence of God. So a lesson that we can learn from Paul is just the acts of grace. God's plan for grace, his gift of grace, and that mathematical equation that grace plus faith equals boldness. You can come into the presence of God. The other thing Paul was talking about is actually it changes the way you live. Now, can I be honest with you? I'm always honest. I'm afraid it comes out in everything I do. I was a bit bossy to Dennis on the journey this morning. <laughs> we were coming and Dennis was going, which, do you know which way? Yes, we know which way. Oh, you're going a different way to that I would go. Are you going a longer way, Dennis? You're going a lot longer way. Dennis, and in the end, he asked me to be quiet in a very polite way. Not. Um, but I'm just normal. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Paul talks about three things because it changes the way we live. Paul talks about throwing off, renewing, and putting on. Just imagine if Paul had not thrown off his past. He would always lived under the shadow of what he was with the Christians. He says, this one thing I do, I look forward. I press on toward the goal. I can't keep looking back. And you and I have to stop looking back. 
We have to look forward. And if we do things that are not good, we have to get rid of them. We have to throw them off. They attach to us like sticky buds, really, don't they? Do you ever look and think, oh, look at that bit of bitterness on me. Look, that bit of anger that I've just used. And what can happen is we can be so wrapped up in what we're doing that we forget that we're saved by grace. And we say, God, I'm so sorry. Because that famous line in the, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, God, God has forgiven our sins, forgive us our sins. But then the next line says, as we forgive others. So there really, really is an action. So it should change the way you live. Listen to this, chapter 4. This is 21, from 21. Since you've heard about Jesus and learnt the truth that comes from him, throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. If I go on a little bit further, there are lines like, imitate God, live a life worthy of your calling. It should change the way we live. Grace should change the way we live. Paul doesn't pull any punches, so stop telling lies. Tell the truth. Don't let your anger control you. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that, they, that hear them. Can I say my words are not always an encouragement to those that hear them? But I've got to learn, with God's help, that actually my life can be very, very different. And I want God's grace not just to be a present for me, but to be a present for other people. Because God is just amazing, isn't he? So I can't go around judging and putting labels on people because God doesn't. There should be absolutely no difference between anybody. Sometimes we can still be stuck with uh, denominations, with age. The, I'll tell you something, I don't know who wrote the Equality Act, but they should have looked in the Bible first because that was written many, many years ago. In fact, I'm a human resources um, girl. That's my job. And I just look and I think, you know, if, if you live as God wants you to, then human resources and equality and all these things just happen anyway. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you're doing. It matters that God's grace is allowed to live in, live in you and through you. It should change the way that we live so Paul says we've got the act of grace. We've looked at that. He said, change the way you live. I love this renewing of your mind. You have to empty the rubbish. Our rubbish comes twice, uh, once a month. No, it doesn't. It comes more than that. It comes every fortnight. Certain times it comes for the, uh, the garden. Sometimes it comes for the recycling. Sometimes it just comes for your ordinary rubbish. If we had let that stockpile build up for a year, can you imagine the amount of rubbish we'd have? 
And I think it's really, really important when you're doing your chair time to just sit and empty the rubbish. So you stop doing and you renew your mind. Now, can I tell you that I think, certainly my experience has been that there are areas in my life that are weak and that I have to just allow God to continuously move. For me, it would be a self-esteem thing. So if someone says something, I can be worrying for ages about that. Or maybe sometimes I gossip. And God says, Joe, you've got to stop doing that. We're all dust. We're all just normal. They're no different than you are. And I don't need to judge or think about anybody else. And I'm learning to shut my mouth a bit more frequently. It needs to stop completely. But God is teaching me that grace and changing the way I live is part of allowing people to see just who God is in my everyday. You see, we come on a Sunday, and Sundays are great. It's here, it's for building up the body. But you know, in your everyday life, that's where you meet people who need God as well. Our neighbors, our street, the people you, you work with, your friends. Maybe you go to, to some kind of club. I don't know. But you have your own areas where you're meeting people that may never walk into this building. So if you stop and throw off the rubbish, if you allow God to renew your mind, the next thing you need to do is put on your new nature. And that means that through God's grace, we can be and do new things for God. The final thing that I think Paul was very, very strong on it says in chapter 6 here in Ephesians, we need to be strong in the Lord, not in ourselves. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then he reminds us to put on all of God's armor. But the reason that he's asked us to put on God's armor is this, so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now we don't talk a lot about the devil in church, do we? I remember when I was a child, we used to say a prayer, God bless mummy, God bless daddy, God bless John, which was my brother, Joanne, me, and Sharon, and everybody in the world except smutty face. That was our prayer. But we allow sometimes the devil to have a little bit more control than he should have because we are not dressed in the armor of God. You see, he says, if you go on a bit further, it says, put on the belt of truth. The truth of who you are in God. You are a child of God. God is over all, in all, and through all. God is omnipresent, always there. God is amazing. He can do great things. So he says, put on the belt of truth. Then he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Who is God? If you look in Ephesians 1, or is it Ephesians 2? Look at this. He's so rich in kindness, and he's rich in grace. He has purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us our sins. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. 
This is who your God is. He has put this breastplate of righteousness over you. When you put this breastplate on, you are protecting your vital organs, your heart, and all the other things. And sometimes our hearts can be the most vulnerable places. They pop away and carry on beating, but actually sometimes they're broken. It's painful. There's a lot going on. And that's when we come back and position ourselves with God by putting on the breastplate of righteousness. The shoes of peace, the good news. We should be walking out in these shoes every day. The good news is that God is available to all. I think sometimes we think, actually, he's not. I don't think he's available for him over there or her over there. Have you seen what they've done? And we're busy judging. God didn't judge. Look what Paul did. Paul was killing Christians. But God's grace was sufficient for him. So we put on the shoes of peace and we remember when we walk out that grace is available to all. And then it says, hold up that shield of faith. Sometimes it's a very hard thing to hold up, isn't it? Because sometimes our faith is weak. But without that shield of faith protecting you, you'll get a knockout for six. We sometimes have to just wake up. I remember my dad was talking to someone. He he's, lives in Ireland, dad does, and he does some of these interviews. And this man had lost his family. I'm not sure of the situation. He said, but I just had to start beginning to worship God. So all he did was put a tape on. He couldn't say, God, I worship you. He just started just to lift that shield of faith and start renewing his mind. And we have to sometimes take the smallest steps. But it says, faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. So imagine the faith when you hold up your shield. So when you're told you're rubbish, you're saying, God, I'm good. I don't think God's moving. I don't think God has my finances under control. God, I give you my finances. You tell me you are my Jehovah Jireh, my provider. God, I've got so many worries. God says, cast all your cares upon me. So you start lifting up your shield of faith. You say, God, I'm going to throw it on you. And it might be that you throw it on God always for many, many times during that day. But as the weeks go through, so you can just allow the peace of God to come over you. Put on salvation as your helmet. I'm saved. God's grace has saved me. All my sins are washed away. I am a new creation in God. Joe, you're not the old Joe Corkery. You're a new person in God. God has done some amazing things. And then it says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is why I advocate chair times and time with God. Because as you get to know the word of God, so you can give the best left hook to the devil. When he comes your way, you can come and say, actually, you know what? All my days, all of my days are known by God. 
So don't try and frighten me into thinking that something's going to happen to me because my days are in God's hands. I am sitting under the shelter of God's wings because that's where God says I can sit. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need to want because the Lord is my shepherd. And so you can give him a good cuffing, smack him one, and put him back in his place. Because it says you need the armor of God. Because when you have the armor of God, it says you will stand firm. We also need to pray. Paul talks about prayer and praise continuously in his letters. When I was looking in the concordance about Paul, it said God didn't waste any part of Paul. His background, his training, his citizenship, his mind, and also his weaknesses. The question is, are you willing to allow God to do the same for you? To have every single part of you, all the bits that still need work on, God's grace can cover that. All the bits of experience that you've used in the past, can you give them to God and say, God, I just want you to use them in any shape or form. Just let me be molded by you. What about those weaknesses in your life? Are you willing to be brave enough to be confident that God has showered you with loving kindness? He doesn't see them as weaknesses. He just knows that he can do something with every single part of you. Do you know the, the experiences that I've had over my life? And I've been through some personally quite traumatic things. I've now been able to use those to empathize with people I would have never been able to empathize with before. Because I was misjudged. But God took me through some experiences which allowed some weaknesses of mine to be exposed. But you know, I have an empathy when perhaps it may not always be easy for others to see that. But experience is an amazing thing, isn't it? So even in your weaknesses, God can take every part of you. Look at what he did with Paul. Do you know, when Paul wrote that letter, Paul was not on a Caribbean cruise. He wasn't on one of his missionary trips. He was actually in prison, in chains. And when you start to think that he wrote that letter while in chains, my letter would have been, hey up, you guys at Ephesus. I'm stuck here in chains because of you. And we could have moaned, but he said no. He said, my chains are just allowing me to preach the gospel more. And he was sending love and encouragement to the church. Whatever kind of change you have in your life at the moment, your God is above all of those. He is in every single circumstance and situation. And so I want to encourage you today. Go away and have a read of Ephesians. Just allow God just to renew your mind. That act of grace is available for you. Yes, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can change some of the things. Shake off, put on. Shake off, renew, put on.
And then don't forget on a daily basis to put on the armor of God because if you're going to survive, you need the armor of God. And pray in the spirit at all times. Can I just pray for you as a church? Father God, we lay ourselves open before you, warts and all. Father God, I pray your kingdom will come in this place and that your will will be done. I pray your anointing, Lord, here. I thank you that the praise and worship echoing in this room and resounding in this room is lifting high praise to you. But Lord, I pray on the Monday and the Tuesday, the times when our church is uh, closed and we're doing our ordinary everyday things, Lord, that still praise will resound in our hearts. Lord, I pray for those that are going through difficult times that's almost all-consuming, Lord, and maybe drowning out the truths of you. I pray, Father God, that you will awaken their souls this morning. Lord, that they will see that grace is sufficient for them. Lord, that I pray your Holy Spirit will just remind them of who they are in you. Father, if we've sinned against you, I pray forgiveness. Lord, teach us what it is to imitate God and to live in a way, Lord, that pleases you. I pray, Father God, that we will live in your spirit. Bless this church. Bless the people in it. Do amazing things here at St. Paul's as people just surrender themselves to you again. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.